Welcome to the Open Church Podcast, a place for disciples to be made. I want to start this week's message off with a question. And I want I want you to take a moment and, and think. What's what's a dream? What's your biggest dream for yourself? Once again, I'm, I'm going to ask that again. What's the biggest dream that you have for yourself? And you say... I just kind of live. I just kind of exist. When I was younger, I had dreams, I had hopes, but as I've gotten older, things have taken turns and not worked out the way that I thought they would or thought that they should. Some of us have the story we shared our dreams with others and they were taken. <laughs> Some of us, we faced adversity with our dreams, and we gave up. But I think dreams are very important. Hopes. Things that we want to accomplish. What do we want to leave behind? What's your biggest dream for your relationship or for a future relationship? If you are married and have a family, what's your biggest dream for your family? And we can look at dreams and we can we can look at them from we dreamt of going to Disney World this this year, and then COVID happened. <laughs> we dreamt of buying a house, and we got laid off. We dreamt that we would be a happy family, and then we had a kid diagnosed with a disease. God forbid a death. I say this because as we are starting to round out the idea of maybe we shouldn't, in the sixth part, we're going to start off with a maybe we should. See, Joseph is so interesting. He's 17 years old at the start of the story in Genesis 37. His dad favors him. He's got 10 older brothers. And if you work the timeline, it would seem that his younger brother has been born and his mother has died. This actually makes sense with the story if you think it through that why Joseph would be the favorite and not 
Benjamin because Benjamin reminds um, Jacob of the loss of his favorite uh, wife, Rachel. And so it would actually make sense that Joseph would be the favorite, believe that or not. And so we look at this, and we see that Joseph is the favorite, and the ten older brothers don't want much to do with Joseph. In fact, if we pick up the story in verse 3, now Israel, which is now the name of Jacob, Loved Joseph more than his other sons, because Joseph was a son born to him in his old age, and he made a robe of many colors for him. And when his brothers saw that their father loved him more than all of them, they hated him, and they could not bring themselves to speak peaceably with Joseph. Sometimes our siblings can be our greatest allies, and our worst of enemies. Sometimes they can give us the biggest blessings and some of the greater curses all can come from our siblings. This is no different than Joseph. And, you know, I don't know what your family was like growing up or what it's like now, <laughs> but you always have kind of the sibling rivalry that, oh, I'm the favorite. No, I'm the favorite. Um, when sometimes the truth is uh, the parents want you to get out of their hair equally as much. <laughs> or there is no favorite is mostly what our parents would tell us. But Joseph was And he bore the resentment of his brothers. Well, <laughs> I don't know about you, but whenever I've made my brother mad, um, I tend to go away and let him cool off. <laughs> I think of this time whenever we, um, my brother was my best man at my wedding. Um, there was a lot of strain and stress. Me and my wife had an eight-day engagement. Um, we had about four four days um, of all the family in town to be able to pull off the wedding. And I remember just asking Stephen over and over for different things. And finally, he got to the point where I was rude with him. And he was about to pop me in my mouth. Of course, I'm glad he didn't because I'd have a big fat lip in my wedding photos. Um and whenever I knew that I had pushed his buttons, I did the smart thing, I think. And I went over and I uh, let him have his space while he was turning uh, redder than a tomato and looking like he was about to boil over. And I, I say that and bring that up is Joseph in verse 5 may have not done the smartest thing. So Joseph had a dream. And he told it to his brothers, and guess what? They hated him even more, and, and you would understand why, because he, he said to them, this is the dream I had. There we were, 
binding sheaves of grain in the field, suddenly my sheaf stood up and your sheaves gathered around it and bowed down to my sheaf. There was another dream. This time the sun, the moon, and 11 stars were bowing down to me. And of course the brother's reaction to this, are you really going to rule over us? You're the second to youngest. You're so young. How are you going to rule over us? And I say that because I see the story And I see a, a fact here that, that we really need to at least address. Is maybe we should be careful with who we share our dreams with. I believe this. I believe that God gives dreams. And I don't mean just while you were sleeping, although I do believe that. Um, have experienced it. Um, I believe that God gives us deep down passions, desires of things that we are meant to accomplish. A purpose, if you will. We can say it as a dream. I don't know what your dream is. I don't know. But I do know how easy it is to squash a dream. Hope deferred. Literally rotting to the bone. And I know that so often we can share our dreams with pe people and they say something, and they may be very good intentioned. This is not to condemn or judge them. But in what they say and how they say it, a little bit of the light goes out of our eyes. Well, for Joseph, this winds up with his brothers hatching a plan to... Originally kill him, his brother Reuben steps in and um, saves him. And then they sell him <laughs> as a slave. And now Joseph is no more than a slave in Egypt. And I think about us. If we were are not careful with who we share our dreams with, the innermost part of ourselves, the intimacy of ourselves, if we're not careful, we might not like where we end up. We might end up a slave to somebody or something. Those are kind of hard words. A slave to somebody or something, but I think about girls who have been infatuated with a guy. And people warned them. They were teenagers. 
and they just knew that that was the one or maybe a young adult and just start living with each other. And before you know it, the innocence gone. And sometimes you're too far in a relationship to get out of it. Or you start a career just to have enough mon money and to make ends meet. And 20, 25 years later, you look and you say, where has the time gone? And you don't say it in a positive way. It's a cautionary tale to the young, but even to me who's starting to get to an age where um, some of these thoughts creep up more, and even to somebody who has been in something that hasn't brought them life. It is never too late to start dreaming again. To go to the creator of all the universe through Jesus Christ as your Lord and your Savior and have boldness to go before. Say, God, I've squandered my dreams, but I am here now and I am asking for a new dream. Restore my passion. It is never too late. But I want to reiterate, maybe we should be careful with who we share our dreams with. And so Joseph is sold into slavery. We pick back up the story in Genesis 39. Joseph was taken to Egypt. And he was sold and became the personal attendant to Potiphar. Who is a very important man in Egypt. And Joseph worked hard. And the Lord's blessing was on all that he owned because of Joseph. And Potiphar left all that he owned under Joseph's authority. He did not concern himself with anything except the food he ate. So there's great trust in Joseph. And it looks like, you know, I have this dream of becoming important, of being bowed down to. It looks like it may happen. Look at how important I am. And then Potiphar's wife grew attracted to Joseph. And she started to make passes and advances at Joseph and Genesis 39 and verse 10, although she spoke to Joseph day after day, he refused to go to bed with her. He takes on this mindset, I can handle this, I can get through this, and I'm not going to lose my integrity. Now, one day, verse 11, now one day, he went into the house to do his work, and none of the household servants were there. And she grabbed him by his garment and said, sleep with me. But leaving his outer garment in her hand, he escaped and he ran outside. And when she had seen that she had been rejected, she cried out. 
The Hebrew slave that you brought to us came to make a fool of me. But when I screamed to help, he left his garment beside me and ran outside. And so this is not the truth. Potiphar's wife controls the narrative for a time and a season. And sometimes it's hard whenever other people control the narrative of your life. When they take your good name and they sully it. Whenever they take your dreams and they bash them. Sometimes it even can get to the point, God, where are you? David, throughout the Psalms, time and time again, cries to God, where is your justice? Why are you not pleading my cause? And then time after time, David reminds us and reminds himself that God is just. And that he's not slow as we define it. But he's letting it come to pass. But what about us right now? It can become so discouraging and so disheartening when it feels like our dream, our world, our hope is falling apart. But it's not over. It's not over. And I say that because sometimes we follow God and we're passionate about Him and we're trying to live our life to honor Him. And sometimes it still just doesn't work. And we can get so frustrated some of us can even be tempted to give up, but don't. Because maybe we shouldn't give up just yet. Now, I wish I could say Joseph has been put into the pit instead of being put to death. He's been sold as a slave. He's had his, his leader's wife make advances on him he's refused and in genesis 39 what does it get him thrown into prison but the lord was with joseph and extended kindness to him he granted him favor with the prison warden why do i bring that up because if we look at our lives sometimes sometimes we can become disillusioned and sometimes we can get so caught up with the things that aren't going right that we forget to see that God's blessings haven't left us yet. That even on the things that we count as bad turns, God has given us enough and he's provided for us and we've learned lessons through them. I'm not saying it's easy. I think that there's a real point of despair in the story that we're about to get to with Joseph. I know that David lived in an up and down despair 
hope, praise, downcast kind of life. I know that Peter lives where sometimes he's the boldest person who's ever lived and at other times he's running away from his Lord. Jesus himself weeps. Jesus himself cries out to God, why have you forsaken me? No, my friends, this is not always easy. But if we walk with God, it is always worth it. It's always worth it. So then what happens is a, in, in chapter 40, you have the baker and you have the cupbearer. And both of them have dreams. And they are troubled by their dreams, and they want them to be interpreted. Well, the cupbearer goes to Joseph, and Joseph gives a favorable interpretation that the cupbearer's time in prison is just about to be done, and he'll be restored to his place. And he says this, when that happens, don't forget me. But the cupbearer does forget Joseph. We pick back up the story in Genesis 41, verse 1. It was at the end of two more years while Joseph is in prison. False imprisonment. That Pharaoh has a dream. And he's trying to find, the interpreter, find an interpreter for it. And it's finally at this moment in time that the cupbearer remembers the person who interpreted his dream. Two more years, two more years of anguish, of misery, of sometimes even asking, my God, my God, where are you? But whatever you're going through, whatever I'm going through, maybe we shouldn't give up just yet. Because this story is not done. Joseph's story is not done. And, and let me say this. Your story is not done. Maybe we should realize our story is not done. So what now? So what now? I find the story of Joseph very compelling. If you will look at the story of Joseph, and you, if you will start in Genesis 37, and, and basically it goes to the end of the book of Genesis, Genesis 50. And if you will read it, you'll see this amazing story. Of a man with a dream, and nothing happened the way that man thought it should go. I mean, you can take a look at it in Genesis 37, uh, at the beginning of this, Joseph has this, this dream that's pretty clearly understood in its interpretation. And he just has to get it out of his mouth and 
and blurt it out to his brothers and cause even more resentment. You can see in Genesis 40, verses 14 through 15, You can see that whenever Joseph is thrown into jail, after being thrown into slavery, whenever he interprets the dream of the cupbearer, of Pharaoh's cupbearer, he says, but when all goes well for you, remember that I was with you. Please show kindness to me by mentioning me to Pharaoh. For I was kidnapped from the land of the Hebrews. And even here, I've done nothing that they should put me in the dungeon. Even here, I've done nothing. You see in Genesis 41, starting in verse 50, that as Joseph is exalted and he's saving the world, he's still remembers that dream, and his life is definitely de uh, dictated by it. Two sons were born to Joseph before the years of the famine. Joseph named the firstborn Man Manasseh, which means, or loosely translated, God has made me forget all my hardship in my whole family. The, the Joseph's meaning for, for naming Man Manasseh. And then he names his second child Ephraim. And his reasoning was, God has made me fruitful in the land of my affliction. You see this pattern with Joseph. He remembers the pain. He remembers the hurt. And for good reason. Don't get me wrong. But it colors his view. It colors his very life. In Genesis 42, 9. When his brothers have come because of the famine was so severe and his brothers come to Egypt and they have no idea that this was Joseph because the last time they saw him, he was 17 years old. And this is now a grown man. And Joseph sees them in, in uh, Genesis 42, verse 9. Joseph remembered his dreams about them. Even then, Joseph is allowing his dreams to affect his reality. Now you say, well, haven't you been saying I should dream? I should even be careful with my dreams who I speak to them to. Yes, I, I have been saying that. And I stand by that. But I want to show you something. Joseph lives a life dictated by his dreams. Looking for them to come true. Trying to make them come true. And in a moment... There's going to be something that overwhelms Joseph. And even at the moment where his dreams are fulfilled, 
where he could make his brothers literally do anything he wanted them to do because he has all the power. There's only one person more powerful than him, which is Pharaoh himself. Joseph's response is amazing. It's astounding. Genesis 45, 1-3, Joseph, uh, after, and, and you can go back and read what actually happens and transpires there, but basically Joseph puts his brothers to, to the test. He, he sees that there has been actually change in these brothers, but we're not going to get into that for the sake of this particular lesson. What what happens is, is, is Joseph, we're focusing on Joseph right now. Joseph could no longer keep his composure in front of all of his attendants. And so he called out, send everyone away. No one was with him when he revealed his identity to his brothers. But he wept so loudly that the Egyptians heard it. Even Pharaoh's household heard it. Joseph said to his brothers, I am Joseph. Is my father still living? And of course, they're shocked. They can't even get their answers out. They're stammering. Because they think their life is over. And there's actually amazing redemption in this story. Amazing fulfillment of the family bond. But I think the most amazing thing that we can take away from this, Joseph has this dream, and he should be careful with who he conveys it to and how he conveys it. There were times where it looked like that dream was never coming true, but at the very end of the story, that dream comes true, and there's something far greater that gets fulfilled. The restoration of family, the restoration of hope. See, here's what I'd like us to take away from this. Maybe... Maybe we should let our dream come true. Not by wishing upon a star. Not by just hoping. But by getting out of the way. Stop trying to make these things happen. And if you have something, a dream, that you know is God-ordained in you, we can fret and we can try to make this happen, or we can concentrate on the pursuit of God. We can let him fulfill the dreams that he's given us in his time. See, it's a perspective shift. It's this idea of refocusing on the creator, on our God. On Jesus and letting him be first 
Letting the past go. Even letting the dreams go, and that can be so scary. But knowing that if you have a God-given dream, he will fulfill it. But in the meantime, you can live with joy and peace and hope by not just putting your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, but by intentionally, day after day, making sure you do not get off focused. It could be small things. It could be starting your day with just reading a chapter of the Bible in some prayer. Be intentionally uh, giving something. Uh, I don't know what it is. I don't know what makes your heart thump. But whatever it is, know that God's given you the dream. And that is good. And now rest assured, he will bring it to pass in his time. And you can rest in him. I hope this blesses you. Remember, if you need anything, you can find the emails, uh, the different connection points at openchurchonline.com. Once again, openchurchonline.com. Until next time, be blessed.